Star Trek Discovery, Season 2, Episode 9, Project Daedalus, is over. But we're just getting started here on Post Show Recaps. My name is Jessica Lease, and I have an action-packed episode to break down for you. And with me this week, I have a very special guest. Here is an amazing woman who is always in control of her Scott moves. Miss Angela Bloom. <laughs> yeah, darn tootin' I am. <laughs> you got all the gambits memorized, right? Exactly, 100%. Way overachiever, just like Tilly. Oh, so I love her. She's the best. Tilly is so fun. And I, I was reflecting on the evolution of Tilly this episode because we got to see her in the early episodes. She was like, nobody would room with her because she was so weird and yeah, awkward. She was like such a loser, but... She's cool. It's like when nerd became like the cool word. <laughs> like everyone wants to be nerdy now. Yeah, it's like how everyone goes to see all the Marvel comic universe movies when it used to be not cool to watch comics. And now it's like everyone wants to yeah, hang out with Tilly. so yeah. unfair. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. I, and I, I did very much enjoy that they've got this little girl gang. Oh, my gosh. I loved all of those sections. That was the best. I was I was into the character aspects of this episode for sure. Yeah, I, I think it was very necessary in an episode that had like so many really awful wrenching moments, too. Oh, definitely. And then also some super confusing, you know, like what is happening here? What's going on? You have to like kind of rewind and, and press play. And so I'm excited to break it all down with you. That's for sure. Yeah, we've definitely got a lot to talk. But I think our top story at this hour has to be Arium, we just got to know you. I'm and so now you're upset. Gone. <sighs> I'm like, and then if you watch, I'm sure you have, but the trailer for next week is like a Spock-esque like burial via torpedo. <laughs> and it's like, I'm just like so mad because I was, it was really heart wrenching. I think the parts with her, um, you know, realizing that she's, she was a human. She was, she had a life. She's like, she's real. She, and I don't think we knew that before. I think we were unclear what she was. So it was really hard. Yeah, it was really hard to lose her. And I think really hard to lose her, especially once we got those questions answered. So it's like, well, that's very interesting. What a great story arc that could have been, but we're not going to get it. Yeah, a hundred percent. And I think it's kind of like a Black Mirror episode where you like get these like this like sort of like reveal and then it's over. <laughs> so I was like, oh, OK, I could have watched the Arium story for at least three more episodes, but nope, none for us. Yeah. So you think we really did need more of her earlier on in order to 100%. maximize yeah. this impact? Yeah. And I think also they while I did love the um, the sections where they were talking, you know, kind of having their gal pal sessions. Um, I loved that. But we we hadn't seen that before. That was like all brand new. And I guess we were supposed to just not notice it because nobody else notices it. But Arium does at the same time as a viewer, you're like, oh, OK, they're all besties. Like, that's nice. But I would have liked to see that develop, too. So, yeah. Yeah. Well, and especially since that wasn't, for example, that wasn't something we knew about Tilly until now. It was like Tilly was too weird to hang out with. And now all of a sudden, no, no, she's got best friends now. She's, she's got best friends. And like, Ari, Ari, she's Ariam's favorite. Like, she saves all her memories with Tilly. <laughs> okay. Okay. Yeah, <laughs> sure. We got like a little tiny piece of that last week with the two of them working together. But it was right, like the workers. So, yeah. yeah. It's like. Okay, 
would you save all of the, your memories of your favorite coworker? Right. No. <laughs> I mean, maybe. I don't know. Pre- former coworkers, I definitely have had closer relationships with, but I definitely, like, I would save all my memories of, like, my family and my, like, friends that I've had for years and years and years. But yeah, coworkers tend not to be somebody you're with for long periods of time. But then again, we don't serve in Starfleet. So what can we do? We don't live with, (laughs) we don't, we don't live in like in the cafeteria. No, it's like maybe if we worked on a cruise ship together or something. That's true. And I, I can speak for, you know, speaking as someone who works for a cruise ship company, that is a thing that happens. Yeah, definitely. I have a lot of friends that do like Disney Cruise Lines as performers and you know, they have their crew, their cruise family. So, but again, saving memories is like a very, seems like a very personal thing to be doing. So. Yeah. Huh. That's an interesting thing, the saving memories, because I feel like it implies a level of compartmentalization of like neuroscientific thoughts that is really, I, that's not really how we understand how the brain works. It's not like everything that happens to you is in this vignette sort of way and you can pick and choose it. So I thought that was a little weird. And I guess right. it speaks to this, how, how we understand what Arium is. Yeah. And I think also like, yeah, agreed, like, is she more human or is she more artificial intelligence? And it turns out to be that, you know, she's, sort of more on the AI side rather than the human side. But, you know, her human side is what's directing her, you know, her consciousness for the most part, you know, apart from when she gets hijacked and everything goes, you know, to crap. But, um, yeah, I think that it's it's kind of a cool thing to just sort of see or think about even. And I think even what we realize what she was carrying, which is like all the AI technology, maybe that will come up further. I mean, they're not even going to get like a sentient android, you know, in Starfleet for quite some time. So I'm not sure how she fits into that picture, but. Well, that was the thing that really kind of <laughs> threw me that that was You're what like, made this it is so. Like data. <laughs> yeah. How hard, how hard that was to figure out. Like, how do we figure out what Arium is and how would we reconcile that with this is a hundred years before data and this appears to be almost as advanced as data. And the answer is that she started as human and right. like the, the pieces of her that were destroyed were replaced with machine. Yeah, like but, her brain is probably still a human brain, not a positronic brain, but which does not explain why she has to download no. her memories and save <laughs> no, them. No, it doesn't. Her. It doesn't. Maybe it's like half sees, but again, like Nunyan Singh is the one who creates the positronic brain and like he hasn't done that yet. So I we're, I guess we're just going to have to let that one slide, but um, and maybe that's why they don't continue her character because they're like, oops, <laughs> can't do <laughs> <Yeah>. this yet. <laughs> we we kind of wrote this into a corner. I guess we better just kill her. Yeah, which is a bummer because I really like the actress and she was doing a great job. Yeah, and it was so tantalizing to finally like get that little piece in this like Lost style flashback and then very lost. It. Yeah, yeah, it's a good call. It's interesting to me that so many shows are now using that device as a way of dumping a lot of information on us at once. And I think that there are better ways of dispensing that information. Totally. Yeah, I think that it's it could have been more of a longer burn, but here we are. <laughs> yeah, it, it is what it is. Um, I especially like the little high five that Detmer gives to Arium when they're talking about like having cybernetic enhancements. And I feel like that is the kind of camaraderie that you'd have with a group like that. 
Right. And then even um, this chief of security has like these enhancements that help her breathe. You know, they're they're also slightly technological. So they're kind of like the maybe they're like maybe they are like the nerdy kids. They're all like a little damaged. Yeah. Yeah. And it goes a little further to explain like why these people would all be friends with each other. Exactly. Yeah, for sure. Oh, so much to discuss. Yeah, and that was really only like is. that only comes up like partway through the episode. <laughs> it's it's true. It's true. Um, so we should talk a little bit about this whole like Federation view on AI. Later on, we get the impression, like especially the way that the Federation treats data, they're very much anti-positronic brain. Do you think any of this has to do with, now that we have this in the continuity, do you think maybe it's because they got a little burned by having someone like Arium and having Arium getting hacked? I mean, maybe. I guess it's sort of uh, up to the decision of the writers whether or not this is something that even goes on the record because she's getting hacked at Area 31 and it's like, or Section 31, and it's all pretty under wraps. And then, you know, I, I mean, Admiral, Admiral Patar is not even Admiral Patar. So I don't know. I mean, if it goes on the record, then yeah, that's a great, great reasoning for why in the future, you know, AI is, are not human. They're not considered sentient. So um, maybe, <laughs> I guess. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, it's another one of those things where it's like the technology at this point in the timeline seems so much more advanced because we have better special effects and we have like a little right. more imagination. Right. And so it's like, okay, so how do we fit that into the timeline? How do we retcon all of that? And I think once we get talking a little bit more into the structure of section 31 and what the implications of this episode are on that part of the timeline as well. And I think it's like, you have to do a lot of backtracking and you have to do a lot of retconning. And I feel like this episode did so much retconning. Yeah. And I think also these, these episodes in discovery are not as, not as concerned with making like an after school special out of things. Whereas obviously next generation was very much. So we're going to make a statement in this episode. It's going to be don't do drugs. It's going to be, computers are people too, you know, like <laughs> trust your, you know, and you know, that sort of thing. And I think that it's, it hits, hits you over the head a lot in, in next generation, but I feel like here they're, and maybe that's something to do with it being 2019. We're all just a little past to those types of media or, or entertainment for, for a value sake. So we want it to be a little bit more, a little bit more challenging for us to to get that out of our, our content and not necessarily have it smack you in the face. So I, I do think that has something to do with like it not being so much like each line is, well, she is a robot, you know? Oh, robot. A robot. A robot. <laughs> I, I love the pronunciation. Like, that's always been one of my favorite things is whenever somebody talks about robots and they talk about them as robots. Ugh. Ugh. <laughs> They did it on Futurama. They did it. If you ever watched the old 60s Twilight Zone, yes. that's how they say the yes. word robot. And I don't know if it's like a, a regional accent or if it's just, you know, stupidity, but no, it's robot. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I, I like it so much better, though. Robot. Well, yeah. I mean, ironically, of course. Of course. I, I, I think Tilly might be using it ironically. I think so, too. <laughs> so they, they have this. She strikes they, me as one of those people. They are BFFs, which we didn't know until now. Right. But that's like one of their inside jokes. 
Yeah, I mean, I feel like Michael might be a little hurt by this. I thought she was BFFs with Tilly. So, yeah, I mean, I, I don't even know if Michael gets to play Kata Scott with them. No, I mean, maybe she's not into that. Kind of reminds me of um, Gobstones and Harry Potter, where it's like <laughs> not that cool to do, really. But like, it's like also people who do it, it's like a huge deal. Yeah, they. You know. The cool kids are all off playing. Yeah, like on the Gobstones team. Yeah. The cool kids play Quidditch and then the rest of the kids play Gobstones. Exactly. It's like Cotta Scott is like that. It's that to like 3D chess. Or uh, what is it that they do in Next Generation with like the Q-tips where they're like sparring? Oh, yeah. I don't remember what that's called. <laughs> well, we do get a little shot of like, we get a shot of Ariam doing training as oh, yeah, one of her some, memories. Like, super handsome man without a shirt on she <laughs> saves that memory i was like ooh la la <laughs> yeah i feel like i got to know maybe a little too much about Ariam. i that know moment. i was also a little confused because i was like oh aren't you supposed to be you know sort of formerly in love with this other guy but all right well, move that, on. That, that guy's dead he's dead we don't know how and we don't know why but he didn't make it <laughs> nope Un- unless he's also part robot somewhere out there but i would uh-huh. guess not no, I think they'd be robots together. It's true. If you're going to be part robot and somebody else is also going to be part robot, you want to be that together. Yeah, for sure. <sighs> yeah. Definitely. Um, definitely. And it's, it is also strange to me that it seems like Arium is some sort of technological marvel in this universe. Like, right. Nobody knows what she's capable of. Nobody's really sure, you know, like if she can do what she can do when she's even decrypting the code from the from the probe. She's like, everyone's like, well, can you do it? And you just have to kind of take her word for it. So when she does get hijacked, I don't think anyone saw it coming. I mean, clearly our security officer is like thinking something's up, but she doesn't say anything, which that wasn't cool at all. She definitely knew something was up from when they were on the bridge and they she lets her go on a mission and then like leaves Michael Burnham with like a little like, I'll be right back. Like I can clearly see something's going to happen. I wasn't I wasn't feeling her skills. Well, this this final moment, like none is really interesting because the actress always puts this like she's like wearing suspicion every time you see her on the camera. Right. Right. I think this time it was very intentional though. And she was like, I'm suspicious of this. And then the I, I only figured that it was intentional later when she's with Michael and she's like, looks at Michael, like, I don't want to leave you alone with, with Ariam. Like, I don't think that's a good idea. So, you know, she could have said something. She could have brought it up and like, hey, Pike, FYI, I think Ariam's been like, something's going on there. So, you know, maybe, maybe she stays back, but. Yeah, no. Sivas Algo Dialgo, right? Right, exactly. <laughs> right. Um, but Non had a rough episode this episode anyway, because. Totally. I thought she was a goner. I thought she was totally done after. Really? I, didn't, I didn't think she was, but. I mean, I think that we were meant to think that. I don't know. I just didn't. I wasn't concerned. Maybe I don't care about her. Is that bad? (laughs) I was like, yeah, she'll be fine. Yeah. I mean, it it seems like I I did enjoy the little bit of foreshadowing where Ariam has this casual. Yeah. Uh, Do you use those for breathing? (laughs) What happens theoretically if somebody takes them out? Is that bad? 
Just wondering. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'll, I'll just save that to my memory banks. Like, yeah, don't mind me. Just... Also, is she the same species of the kid that does the um, the test with Wes with Wesley in uh, Next Generation, or is it different? Um, I know that her species has been seen before. They are called the Barzan. I'm pretty sure it is, and like they said that he was the first Barzan in. Uh, I don't know. I might be making it up. Oh, no. Yeah, they're just... Um, they're the ones that were selling that... Uh, ah, yeah. They're the ones that were selling that um, black hole that, like, wasn't... That, like, one-way wormhole. Yes. Yeah, you're right. That's it. Yeah, for sure. Okay. I think I'm confusing... It must be a different a different species then. But they also have, like, an apparatus that attaches right around their mouth that, like, helps them breathe like in our atmosphere. Yeah. And that that's, I think that's something that comes up a few times. I know it comes up in deep space nine. It's like, I always yeah. come with the deep space nine deep dive. So yeah, that's like your jam. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's helpful to have you along here to really get the TNG stuff in there. Yeah. I've seen I, it a lot. <laughs> I feel like everything I'm like, well, but in deep space nine, they did it this way. And yeah, I was always more into TNG. And then growing up, my brother and my mom were like, OG fans like they would watch the original series and like they would just like have it on repeat so I'm pretty familiar with those but it was one of those things that when I was younger I was like oh do we have to watch this again and I was like it's not as cool as the new one but <laughs> I've learned to love it of course they, they all have a different feel and I feel like everyone involved with Discovery has such a deep love for the entire series and you just get these oh my God, weird yeah. shout outs like Kata Scott being such a big part of Voyager for instance and yeah. <laughs> which is the only reason I knew what it was I was like <laughs> they're not even explaining what that is well they don't need to really like how much of the of a deep dive do you need right. if you want to if you want to talk about play it but yeah you want to talk about the the origins of kata scott you can go on reddit where there's a very long conversation that people are having Forever. sure about is this a delta quadrant thing or an alpha quadrant thing i don't know <laughs> oh goodness um yeah. we also get the return of of admiral cornwall this, this was weird to me. Okay, can you explain to me what happened <laughs> no. here? So, okay. <laughs> I mean, I, maybe. We'll see. We'll see. Okay, so Discovery has fled. It has been suspicious of Section 31. Yes, she has, like, she's suspicious of Section 31. So Discovery is fleeing from everybody. By, as far as anybody knows, they are wanted criminals. Right. And... So somehow they're able to get on the phone and call up Cornwall and be like, hey, guess what? We need your help. And she's not going to be like, yeah, I heard you murdered a bunch of people and you have fled the authorities. And she's like, OK, I'll be right over. So I guess what happened was that she was looking into Section 31 for Pike. So this was maybe like an ongoing thing. And then and then she like shuttlecraft like comes aboard the discovery like sort of sneaks on board to like follow up with them knowing that now they're sort of in in the deep water and she's found some you know stuff going on that like isn't up to snuff with her and they've also like stopped what does she say they stopped letting her some of her codes don't work anymore like she feels like it's all it's all some some 
nonsense going on. And she wants to interrogate Spock for, you know, shits and giggles. Well, yeah, because as far as she knows, he killed a bunch of people. And she's like, oh, they can't fake that stuff. Like, right. She has have- a video. She does have a video. We have a video of that. You can't make those up. Like, videos are real. And then Saru's like, well, if you just turn on the ultraviolet, you know, like, you can see that uh, it's a hologram. <laughs> like, oh, maybe we should do that with every video we receive ever. Like, <laughs> it seems like a little bit of like a, uh, I guess you could say Monday morning football type of thing. Like, well, <laughs> we yeah. should have known. Yeah, it seems like they have this technology at their fingertips. Like, everybody knows about this stuff. And, you know, this is another instance of, we can do this stuff now. Mm -hmm. And then all of a sudden, holograms are not a thing. Yeah. (laughs) But it is true. It's like, if you have this within your technology and it's so wide, widely and readily available, you should be suspicious that everyone's a hologram. Like, like I wouldn't accept a video message without like any sort of confirmation, I think, at that point, especially if I was dealing with so many so much subterfuge. But I'm not sure, you know, if they're if they're like at that point yet, because clearly it's like new technology that will quickly go away. And maybe this is why it goes away, because there's so much abuse of it. Well, yeah, again, it's one of those things where do you have to have a good reason why things are not this advanced in a few years in the timeline? And a very close timeline. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Um, Although, you know, as, as we were talking about last week, a lot, um, we see Spock doing a lot of this kind of deep fakery in Mm -hmm. the original series episode that was heavily referenced last week. So right. It's still around, and I don't know why people – if people can do it so easily and so quickly, I don't know why it's not the first thought you go to, and why do you have to, like, immediately rule that out? Yeah, unclear. I mean, maybe it's, like, not the the moral way to do things, and that's sort of, like, Federation 101 that we're, we're here to, like, be better people, so maybe that's it. Well, yeah, but you still have to allow for the possibility, like, just because you're not supposed to. Apparently, the thing that Cornwall was discovering, (laughs) the thing that Cornwall was discovering is that everything in Section 31 is being run through, apparently, the machine from the show Person of Interest. Uh, (laughs) Which I'm not familiar with, but that sounds so specific. It's a very, it's such a specific thing. Um, my, My husband was very obsessed with this show. It was kind of the gig from the guy that played Ben Linus after Lost was over. Yeah, I remember it coming out, but it wasn't. A, yeah, I think you'd have to like have gotten on board right away and then stuck with it. It's, it's very true. And it has some moments like people that love this show really love it. But the whole premise is that they are the caretakers of this piece of advanced artificial intelligence that can basically mathematically model anybody's behavior patterns. Sounds a lot like this control thing. Yeah, and sounds like super not good. So, yeah, so Section 31 has this technology, and now they they also have, is it what Arium sent them, I guess? Or is it like that was part of it? Yeah, that was part of it. It was kind of like Section 31 moved from, oh, we'll just run these scenarios through this very advanced computer to, oh, we'll just let the computer do our jobs for us. Right, right, yeah. What could go okay. wrong? Sounds like a great idea. Like, no problem there. And then Skynet becomes self-aware and <laughs> yeah. kills a bunch of people and pretends Shocking. to be them. Yeah. Very Space Odyssey. <laughs> yeah. It's 
there are so many callbacks to so many different things with this little control story. It's, it's really wild. Um, yeah. And we're definitely getting more of this too. Cause at the end of the episode, it's like, Oh, well they did get part of Ariam's data. So we'll see, you know, it's definitely, we're not done with that, which is, I don't know if I'm excited about it, honestly, like I'm sort of over section 31, if I'm being honest well, and we haven't even seen it yet. Well, that that's true. It's, it's a lot to take in, and especially the way that it mismatches everything we else we know right. about Section 31. It's right. like, it's all super confusing. Why do I have to spend this much time reconciling this Section 31 with future Section 31? It really seems like they're two totally unrelated and different things, the way that they operate. Yeah, I got so excited when they introduced it in this season and then it all became like, oh, well, I think they're trying to make us sort of forget what happened in like the past versions of section past slash future, you know what I mean? The future versions of section 31. It's like, okay, this is the what we want you to think now. It's a cooler type of section 31. So let's go with that. So I don't know. Yeah, I agree. I think it's all a little bit, um, you know, sort of they're trying to to do something here that's completely different, which is weird because they're trying to be so congruous with the rest of the, the, the Star Trek universes. So I don't know. I think that um, we'll see. Hopefully it's not, it doesn't take up too many parts of the episodes. Cause I do think there's so much else going on with, with the red angel and with Spock and with, you know, now, um, you know, discovery sort of on the lamb. So um, it's, I hope it's not too overwhelming, but well, it, it honestly seems like most of section 31 has now been destroyed. Right. Is that where they beamed into? Is that where they were? Yeah, that was they their, were in, like their headquarters <laughs> and everybody in it was dead. So yeah, super frozen, super popsicled. <laughs> yeah. So it seems like maybe control got a little full of itself and decided I'm going to kill all these humans and then I'm going to kill everybody mm-hmm. else in the world. I'm going to kill everybody yep. else in the galaxy and I'm going to be the only sentient thing because reasons. And it found Ariam and it was like, okay, here's how I'm going to do it. Yep. <laughs> and and now it can't because she's popsicle too. Right. Um, so we'll see sort of what the next step is for control. Um, and also it seems to be that Admiral Cornwell thinks that control is sort of bringing, being brought about by logic extremists. Okay, <laughs> which and this is kind weird of like too. a random. Yeah, this is <laughs> like super I don't weird. think there, there doesn't need to be a reason why it has come to be sentient and like wants to take over the world, but logic extremists. Okay, okay. How does a logic extremist like? Okay, we have to back up. I think we have to explain logic extremists, right? I'm sure. Sure. <laughs> so on Vulcan, they have this like, they're like the alt-right, basically. Totally. They're like the neo-Nazis of Vulcan. Right. They want, they want Vulcan for Vulcans. How does someone with those particular political views decide they want to be in Starfleet and they want to be in charge of Starfleet intelligence? Right. So are, were they... It's kind of like, were they out and about logic extremists or were they sort of like in the closet about that? They're trying to and, bring about change from within. Right. And so when they, whatever, were voted into office, however, this happens to be 
the Vulcan way of doing things. Like maybe that wasn't something that was well known about these people. They were like, oh, we're we're just traditional Vulcans. Like we're very in, involved and interested in Vulcan. But like it never came about that like they were part of this sort of like zealot group. So that's my thinking. It was sort of like under the radar that they were logic extremists. But that's just sort of, I guess, well, I something mean, we're not going to get much detail on. Horval figured it out. And she thought well, she's a genius. Yeah, well, she thought originally it was like, oh, it's logic extremists <laughs> that are bringing about terrible things. And it turns out, oh, it wasn't the logic extremists at all. Actually, it was control who was controlling everything and making you think it was logic extremists, I think. Right. Yeah. I, it, again, it's like super unclear because she, she, she's supposed to take what she says at face value because she's Admiral Cornwell. She's proven to be moral, good, um, you know, on the side of the viewer per se, you know, like she, this like is, she may be tough and like annoying, but she's always going to do the, the the right thing. Like this very is the same, this is the same Admiral Cornwell who almost committed genocide last season. Right. But she it's like I think she's proven through that, through those trials like of of well, should I, shouldn't I to the to us that like, OK, we should trust her from now on, I guess. But I I haven't seen her enough to really care. <laughs> like, you know, it's like I if Pike was saying all this to me, I'd be like, yeah, well, deaths. Pike can say just about anything at this moment. I'd be like, swoon. Yeah. It's still my heart. <laughs> I, I did love that even she is in on the Pike love when she goes up to him and says, like, they have to explain why Pike wasn't front and center in the Klingon war. She's like, oh, yeah, we wanted to make sure you were safe because you're the best of Starfleet. Well, I mean, he is, but. Totally is, but. <laughs> and that's something they've done with the Enterprise before. You know, they've been like, okay, the Enterprise is our, is our our starship it's our it's the best one in the fleet so we're gonna not have them interact in this battle because you know if something goes wrong like what happens with the the borg you know they're like don't don't come back like don't help you know and so i mean it's they there is proof that that's something that's been done before so it's not like coming out of nowhere but it it does seem like a little strange to mention it here like okay yeah just trying to pump them up i guess well, I think it's also just like it's exposition. It's like in case you, the viewer, were wondering, here's why. They're the coolest. <laughs> uh, you were just too sexy to go into battle. I mean, that is true. That is so true. That is true. Um, here's yeah, the, like here's the one thing. <laughs> here's the one thing that Control did that I am I'm having a lot of trouble wrapping my head around. I guess there are many things that Control did that I'm having trouble wrapping my head or around. Or just that we don't understand, but... Yeah, maybe it'll all me. be explained. So the footage of Spock committing these three murders is completely faked. We figured this right. out because we looked at the... We looked at, like, the heat signatures and Spock's the only one in the room. He nerve-pinched some people and left. But Spock is wanted for murdering three people. Don't you kind of have yeah. to have three dead people? If these murders didn't happen right. and these three people are still alive, who do they think he murdered? Or is it like um, the hologram is it's the video is a hologram and the people are dead, but like they've replaced the person that actually killed them with with Spock. 
I mean, you would think so, but why haven't we named the people? Like, why haven't we said? It's true. And like previous to now as well, it's sort of been like, did he or didn't he murder these people? Like, I think you would know if they were dead or not. But yeah, it is a little bit of like a, a an empty hole in the plot there. I think they're they're trying. Really, I think that they should have left this whole. But after Michael realizes that Spock didn't murder these people, it should have just sort of been done. Like, I don't think that needs to be a thing anymore. Yeah, they, they could just be dead. We don't have to, you know, it, it's like, here are three dead people. Did Spock make them dead or not? But now it's like, oh, are there any dead people at all? That makes it needlessly complicated. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. So I, I think there's a lot of very complicated stuff around section 31. And I think, I think it's going to be interesting. I think we're gearing up. I don't think we've defeated control by any stretch yet. It's got some of the information it needs. And so where it goes next is going to be very interesting. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I think that it's, I'm excited because it it does seem to be coming to a head. I think that I'm I'm just a slightly worried that the Section 31 stuff will take over the whole plot. That's the only thing. I just hope it they're able to sort of handle these like nuances seamlessly. But I don't know. Well, I think I would I would even argue that destroying headquarters the way they did and like kind of having Leland and Giorgio the only ones out right. there. I think we are sort of kind of pushing them away and we're kind of digging we're digging away we're like the pieces that we don't need are section so. 31 <laughs> i'm hoping that we get into like it's not section 31 that's the enemy now it's control that's the enemy and it's red angel versus control and it's going to be this kind of armageddon battle right yeah and i think the we still have more to learn about about the angel too. And we sort of get a scene with Stamets and Spock discussing this where they, you know, are going on about sort of like nuances in language. <laughs> like is the angel using the signals or is it the other way around? And then, um, you know, I think that it was kind of a weird scene because I, I have grown to really love Stamets. And I think that Spock is, is proving to be sort of a dick, but Spock um, is a little too over involved in Stamets's personal life for a guy he met right? like two days ago. <laughs> like you, it's like you're just telling us all that you don't have emotions, yet you're like giving him like relationship advice. Like get out of his business and fix the engineering. Yeah, so <laughs> I heard your boyfriend moved out. Like, okay, who even are you? So yeah, I, it's that's a little that's a little much, Spock. Dial it back. Agreed. Yep. But I did think we got a lot of interesting Spock moments. Like apart from the Spock Stamets scene, we also had this chess game between Burnham and Spock. Oh yeah. Which I thought much. Yeah, it was so emotionally fraught. (laughs) Yeah, it was like we need a we need a big character moment to hang on this. But I mean, as a character moment, I didn't hate it. As a plot moment, I did. Yeah, because nothing was really solved in it. And I I keep waiting for not necessarily for Michael and and Spock to to reconcile because I don't think we're going to get that. And that's the reason why we never see Michael or whatever in the future. But um, I think that I would prefer Spock to be just a little less petulant. Like, I feel like um, he claims to be very logic driven, but it's all fair very emotional like what what his reactions are to everything so 
And I, I guess we get that at the end when he's like, and I love my emotions now. Throw the chess game down. <laughs> Unnecessarily break another glass table on on a starship. I, I, I love that he I love how forced that was. It's like, yeah, I'm going to be mad now. <laughs> yeah, he's like, mad is this. I've seen it. This is what mad people do. But I do like, I think it's interesting that um, Ethan Peck is playing Spock as this character who chooses to be logical versus someone who can't help but be logical, which I think previous iterations of Spock have been. Yeah, that he's just been equal parts logical with um, you know, his humanity as well. Yeah. He's just that because he's part Vulcan, he's part logic. And then, you know, but this is like showing that maybe that isn't the case. That he, maybe he is more human than he is Vulcan and he has to really try to be Vulcan. So, um, yeah, it is really interesting. Yeah, the struggle is closer to the surface, I think, with this version of Spock. And given mm-hmm. what he's been through, I think it makes sense. But I also like how sassy he is. I know when he's like, it's arrogant for you to assert that my present manner of thinking requires fixing it all. Like, and then Michael's like, well, it's arrogant of you to assume it doesn't. Like, don't be a dick. Yeah. And they both have like, they both have that human versus Vulcan thing going on at different levels. And it's interesting to see the different ways that they play that and the different ways it manifests. I thought it was especially telling when they go into Burnham's quarters and Spock's like, oh, this is your room. How come you don't have any of your own personality here? And she's like, well, maybe I choose to show my personality through my work. <laughs> yeah. It was so like sibling Yeah. So sibling rivalry. And so what somebody would do if they had been raised by Vulcans, that's probably how you would decorate your room. That's probably how everyone's room looks like on Vulcan. Yeah, and he also like throws some shade at Sarek too when they're playing chess, and he calls him single-minded. Um, you know, so it's, I kind of feel like he's just trying to—he's being very childish. Like he's just like, let me like hit him where it hurts, sort of deal, which is just like not—it's in out of character for what he says that he's like now, which is like logic, hundred percent logic, and it's like, nope, no, no, you're not. <laughs> Yeah, it's very interesting the way that we have fleshed out Sarek and Amanda as these imperfect parents who totally coming from totally <laughs> so dysfunctional. I still don't understand how they got together in the first place and why they stayed right. together. And I, I think that it's hard to because in this version of Sarek and Amanda, I definitely don't feel any chemistry at all. And like... Like, it's just a very awkward sort of relationship. And maybe it's like all behind closed doors. But in previous versions, like, you can definitely see Amanda's love for for Sarek. And and, like, you can see that he, like, respects her as well. And like, I just don't get that with them. So if that's what they're like with their kids, too, I can see why Michael and Spock are just like a little bit of uh, a mess, you know? Yeah, they're... They've got a lot of things to work out. And again, it's one of those things that we've talked about a lot this season is that Discovery really needs a ship's counselor and they don't have one. And it's Oh ludicrous. my God. Yeah. Because at the end of this scene with Spock and Michael, they're talking about how, well, Spock is really like laying it all out there and saying like, um, you know, the, the logic extremists weren't coming for you. And you just assumed like it was all in your short shoulders, like playing the martyr, total martyr syndrome. And, you know, it's like you like you can never really be, you know, totally 
cool because you're avoiding reality. It's like you think that like every burden is yours. It's all this unimaginable grief. It's all this like really like traumatic stuff and like nobody can understand you. And it's like if you don't let anybody else shoulder that burden, then like, you know, I don't know. It's it's not good. (laughs) And like and then she's like, okay, but like we're never going to be equals like as like as long as like you believe that. And she's like, I I don't think I do that. (laughs) And then the punchline is like bickering. Yeah, but then the punchline is that the Red Angel probably is there for for something to do with these two characters, and they really are the center of the universe. Right, exactly. And it's like, they should be leaning on each other, not blaming each other, not saying like, no, I'm the one whose head hurts the most, you know, like... I, you know, when you tell somebody that you don't feel well and they're like, oh, yeah, me too. Like, I feel awful today. And it's like, OK, but like I said it first. So, like, I don't know, <laughs> like maybe you should be nice and like, you know, give me some sympathy. You know, I, I hate when people do that when they like can't just say like, oh, man, that sucks. And like, like, can I help you with anything? They have to like also talk about themselves. So I do feel like it's a similar situation. They're like, I'm the martyr. No, I'm the martyr. And it's like, OK, guys. Let it go. <laughs> yeah, you got a, you got bigger problems than working both out you your own. A, yeah. Both of you had really bad childhood, so we'll just you know, like you did. Yeah, it's it's not a contest. Just exactly, definitely that, not a contest. Take that chessboard and fling it across the room because nobody's winning here. Yeah. So I think I have a few more loose ends to tie up. Some kind of rapid fire lightning round things. Um, awesome. Just based on conversations that we've been having on t- on the Twitter and things I've run across out in the greater universe of the internet while I was kind of thinking about how I wanted <laughs> to. That would be dangerous. Yeah, <laughs> I know, I know. Um, with the loss of Arium, do we think Discovery is going to lose another crew member this week, this season? And who do you think we've gotten enough of that we'd be sad about but is expendable? I mean, I want to say non, yeah. I, but I think that we – Maybe maybe it was sort of like a red herring this week that she almost died and now she'll we think she's going to be OK and then she'll die. She's definitely expendable. Let's put it that way. <laughs> um, <laughs> Tyler, maybe I I we're going to see it looks like some some kissy kissy time next week. But I don't know if that means like it'll be tragic for them. I can't after that. I can't imagine they get to like move forward and be together after everything. No. No, I mean, it looks like they just have, like, sort of this, like, tumultuous, like, romantic moment where they're like, ah, this is awful. Also, she should not be kissing him with that haircut and that beard. <laughs> Gross. Yeah, I, and I imagine, like, the the beard plus the, like, Klingon hygiene's coming out. It's, it's it no good. It definitely is because his hair is so greasy. Like, the last episode, I was super into, like, the slow-mo um, hair flips that he was doing. <laughs> and I was like, this looks so much better if he were groomed better. You know, like, he can have long hair and a beard, but he looks dirty. And I'm, I don't know. He was so pretty before. So not that that's important, He's, but it's a little important because this is a television show. It's true. He's descending into, like, Daryl Dixon levels of hygiene here. <laughs> Yeah, like do needs to take a bath for sure. So another rapid fire question for you. Is there any chance at all that any of this action that we saw this week is related to the short Trek episode Calypso? 
Oh, that's a really great question. I mean, so Calypso happens. We don't know how far in the future, but like it's abandoned discovery, right? It's abandoned discovery, right? And it's how do you think it would be related? Well, it's a very advanced artificial intelligence who ah yes, in that way has become self-aware on the ship. And I mean, I saw a bunch of like crackpot theories on Reddit where people were saying that, oh, did we ever learn Arium's first name? Maybe it's Zora. I thought that's a little extreme, but the, I think watching that short track before the beginning of the season, we are meant to believe, we're meant to have it in the back of our heads that an artificial intelligence can mm-hmm. become sentient and develop a personality. And I don't think it's an right. accident that we got that. Right. And I think that it's more that, at some point discovery was abandoned with the computers intact as is with some kind of, of now that we know some kind of information about AI and it does develop into that, into that more sentient computer. I don't think it's, I'm not really ready to buy the fact that like it's Arium or it's control or it's something specific that gets inside discovery's computer, but rather that it's like the, I don't know, the, the evolution of that computer you know, kind of like how control grew to be now a crazy, insane, like genocidal maniac. This computer grew to just be like kind of lonely and, you know, like because it's it's representation of humanity. It, it just kind of mimics that. So that's my theory. I, but yeah, it's a really great point. And it's something I I sort of forgot about Calypso because it, it wasn't my favorite of the <laughs> short tracks. But um yeah, I mean, definitely the fact that they aired it before the season, like, AI is important this season, guys. Pay attention. Yeah, and I mean, we also got the probe that went 500 years in the future and came back as a deadly squid. <laughs> yeah, right. And I <laughs> Still confused about that, but sure, we'll get more info. Right. And, we're, you know, we, we also touched on, like, it's not the first time any of this has happened either because, you know, we got V'ger in the first Star Trek movie. As, oh my God, Veacher. Yeah. <laughs> Dead. <laughs> In all of we this. recently watched that because Mike has been, uh, he, he hadn't been like so much on the um, the up and up with the, the motion picture franchise because he's watched a majority of the more recent series like TNG. And so hasn't really never didn't grow up on original series. And then the motion pictures, like the amount of time my brother made us watch Wrath of Khan was real rough. So we started at the, <laughs> we started at the beginning just so he could watch them over again. He was like, what is V What is V? And I'm like, you will see, but that is the slowest movie. <laughs> it is like glacial. So let's hope it doesn't, this doesn't move like that. It's amazing that um, you made your husband watch the odd numbered Star Trek movies and he's still married to you. Um, He asked. He wants to watch them all the way through, oh, like dear. all the movies. I would not have sat through that unless like he wanted to, because I it, like you see it enough. Once is once is good. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I can watch. Yeah. So we're good now because I'm a big fan. We just watched The Voyage Home, which is like, yeah, I can watch when I was younger. I used to ask for that. I could watch Voyage Home like all day, every day. Same. I used to ask my mom to put on the one with the whales. <laughs> like, like the classy nerdy kid that I was. I was like, put on the with the whales, mom. So yeah, we just hit that one. 
And now we have to do another odd number one, but whatever. Well, that's all right. But it's the price you pay for love. It, it's true. It's true. And I feel like it's going to make you stronger together if you have to endure the odd number Star Trek movies as a right. couple. But this <laughs> actually, my this ties into the next question I have for you related to an odd numbered Star Trek movie, oddly enough. Oh, boy. And it stems from something you said at the very top of this podcast that I want to come back to. You note that in the previews for the next episode, we are getting a Spock-esque funeral of Arium being shot into space in a space cannon and with lots of pomp and circumstance. And recall what happened when Spock died (laughs) and got sent off into space. Right. I mean, that was because of the Genesis project, though. So, like, are you predicting that Arium's going to come back to life somehow? Well, remember, Arium's not totally... That's true. She's not totally dead. She's not totally human. She, She's potentially still got a lot of stuff stored in her memory banks. So her robot self is going to pop out of the coffin. She certainly... It is certainly not out of the realm of possibility that Arium comes back in some form, um, whether it's we download all of her memories back onto the ship or whether she is comes back as even more robot. Or what if Arium gets absorbed by one of these forces right. that's fighting and she comes back? What if she's the Red Angel? She I was going to say, like, her silhouette is the Red Angel silhouette. Yes, so exactly. That is definitely a possibility. I don't buy that she's like, I don't think it's as simple as what happens with Spock for sure. But I think that it's definitely something to like consider that her, they're just shooting her body out into space. So, I mean, if this threat were so big and I was involved in this at all, I'd be like, burn it, burn it, (laughs) like get it out, you know? So I think that they're being a little naive and just saying like, oh, it's still her. So we want to represent that. We want to respect that. And that's assuming there is a body in there. Maybe they're just shooting it off ceremony, like as a ceremony. But um, yeah, that would be crazy if she were the red angel and I would be totally fine with that. Um, Plus she, at the end when she's like, uh, it wanted me to kill you, like especially you to burn them. And she's like, um, I love you. I love everyone. Like, and then she talks about Project Daedalus, which is the the name of the episode, and that's like probably going to be what we're detecting in the next week. But I think that it sort of shows that she was like a little sentient at the end there. So I don't know. Uh, it'd be kind of crazy to have her come back, but I would be happy because I I think the actress was kind of killing it, and I would want her to not just be like a monster, though. You know, if she came back and she didn't have this component of humanity, I would be very sad. Yeah, I don't want her to come back as entirely not human, but I do think think it's a little weird that she's got stored inside her giant memory banks. She has all of this really classified information. (laughs) And so what are we going to do with that big ball of memory is we're just going to shoot it off into space and leave it there. That doesn't seem like a good idea. No, and you've got to assume that Tilly at least would want to like make sure that she like kind of liked how they were decoding the sphere, make sure that, you know, she got that data to like continue to decode, like even without Arium, like because it had been removed from the ship. So they you'd assume they wanted it back on the ship. But we'll have to wait and see, I guess, because, you know, it's sort of like the end of the episode was more so about the emotional aspect of losing her and out in space like you get the 
the beach memory again. And I think it was just supposed to be really emotional. So we didn't really get much, much info after that. So, um, but her sister, it's a system offline, but does that mean she's dead? We don't know. Yeah, I mean, what is dead when you're half machine? That's the question. It's very existential, but yeah. <laughs> and I love that we're Aren't tackling we half it. Machine? <laughs> I hope not. No, I don't think we are. No, I, I don't think any of us are half machine. If I was, then I'd be able to choose to not be pregnant for nine months. There but. you go. Like, yeah, outsource <laughs> that stuff. Totally. Totally. I hear you. Um, so I think the way that they are tying together all of these weird plot threads with the time travel and the artificial intelligence, mm-hmm. and they keep hammering home these themes that they want us to keep in our heads. I have faith that we're coming toward a conclusion that's going to both make sense and blow our minds. A hundred percent. I have always felt like Star Trek Discovery would make a great Netflix series where it's back to back because waiting week to week, I think is challenging because it's hard to to tie these threads together. So I always like, I found with the first season when I went back and rewatched it, I had much more enjoyment of the nuances of the, the plots being sort of married together. And then, and then everything sort of coming to a head and, and really being satisfying in that sense. So um, I think we're only going to be happy when it is sort of solved. And then, you know, we're able to go back and, and see all these things sort of come to fruition again. So um, yeah, so hopefully you're right, and hopefully that, that does happen, and hopefully it's not totally disappointing. <laughs> I, I can't imagine. I It's one of those rare series that I feel like is building up my expectations, but I don't think that I'm headed toward a really disappointing conclusion here. Oh, great. Yeah, I think that my expectations are definitely high, but I, I don't think I'll ever be super disappointed either way at this point. Yep. So is there anything else about this episode you wanted to highlight before we send it off into space? I don't think so. I think that like we, you know, we did a good job of sort of memorializing um, Ariam as we know her and as we got to know her very briefly in this episode. So, I mean, there's not much else to say about her because we don't we didn't get a lot. But, um, yeah, I'm sort of curious, you know, to see what happens next week because the the trailer was quite quite more emotional than than in previous weeks like i felt like the previous weeks have been like very action oriented trailers and this was like sad music kissing funerals like i was like oh okay what are we gonna get next week so yeah i'm very curious to see what happens yep uh bring your kleenex everyone it's gonna be rough yeah it seems like it all right so angela where can we find you out in the social media world you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Ange Palagi, which is A-N-G-P-A-L-A-G-G-I. Just keeping that maiden name, so shmeed. <laughs> um, it's just lazy. I don't want to change it. Um, but yeah, you can find me there. I'm, you know, tweeting and posting pictures of my dog. That's about it. Yes. And <laughs> um, Mike Bloom is out of the country at the moment, and he will be back. I think, Angela, I think you and I have one more week of... I believe so. Yeah, he's he's coming back next Saturday, but it will it will be after recording time. So you can get me again. Yep, and then if you want me, of course I want you. I want you back every <laughs> week. Um, and actually, I think this starts a 
This is the kickoff of a three-week arc of having Angela here covering things because then as soon as Mike gets back, I have to go out of the country. So she'll be back. Y'all are just jet setting. <laughs> Boy, let me tell you. It's it's a uh, rough what life. A life. <laughs> but yeah, I'll be here just to to share my two cents on it all. So and we are excited. We are very happy to have you here. And you can tweet at me at Haymaker Hattie. And that's just one of the many ways you can reach out to us, let you know, let us know your thoughts on the episode. And we love to hear those. You can also go to postyourrecaps.com, find the thread for the episode, leave your longer form comments there. We read them, we respond. We're always happy to get all of that input. We love it if you subscribe to us in iTunes and rate and review. That helps boost the profile of the podcast and gets the conversation flowing. So please do any and all of those things. There's lots going on in the Post Show Recaps world right now. So much. Uh, so much. <laughs> um, Rob Sesternino and I are covering The Walking Dead every Sunday night. We sit down right after the episode to break down everything that's happening. Uh, we are winding down the Game of Thrones rewatch with Rob Sesternino and Josh Wiggler just in time for the final season of Game of Thrones to kick off. And there's so much more happening and you can find it all on postshowrecaps.com. So I want to thank Angela Bloom one more time for joining me this week. No worries. It's been very fun. I'm looking forward to finding out what happens next week and breaking that all down with you then. And thanks everybody for listening and we'll see you next week. This post-show recap of Star Trek Discovery comes to us thanks to our friends at True Car. Every car comes with its share of stories. That ding in your bumper when you nervously picked up a first date. The luxury package you got after a big promotion. The giant cube of salvage that contained only your ship and none of the robotic squid probe you picked up from the time rift. Or the mileage you saved by riding your bike all summer. Well, you can't put a price tag on your stories. Now with TrueCar, you can at least find out what your car's worth when it's time to sell or trade it in. Just go to TrueCar, simply enter your license plate number, and watch how your car's details pop up. Then answer a few questions. Navigation and moonroof? Watch as they bump up your value. High mileage? You already knew it was going to cost you, but now you know how much it dings your wallet so you can plan ahead. Once you're finished, you'll get a true cash offer sent in minutes, which you could take to a local certified dealer to cash out or trade in. So when you're ready to experience a better way to sell or trade in your car, check out True Car today. True cash offer not available in all areas.